0: I'll be reading from my debut collection, Surrogate Eater. I'm going to start with um, the title poem, Surrogate Eater. On our days out running, I pace your stride across the asphalt, your hips and thighs thin and lithe. Mine yearns to mirror your body. Yours refuses fat so naturally. The rhythm of our breaths synchronized. We gleam as glaring candles. Virgencitas kept as prayers, lit on sills at our mother's windows. Now you sit so close to me. Your thigh touches mine. Your skin an offering of comfort, familiar and burning between us. We lift our t-shirts Laugh at skin pulled hot over muscle. I fill myself with water meant to stave off hunger. I love the rimming of your lips around the spoon of mounded ice cream. I deny myself to eat. The sweetness of your breath invites my tongue to laugh the taste of sugar. Lingering on yours. I'll be reading a second poem, To Be Born a Son. We build a castle around his seating, as he grows. He is taught to keep one foot tilting the pedestal, his palm a foothold for his ever holy queen. His birth, the season's harvest, bears no thought for fallen fruit. His sisters bloom into shifting hips and nectar of nourishing sexuality left to redden hot mouth and bleeding in the garden. His biceps and genitals, the celebrated centerpiece, we devour at family feasts. Thank you.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Octavio Quintanilla. I will be reading a poem from my forthcoming book. It's not going to be, if I go missing from Texas Review Press next fall, 2024. So this poem is called The Poetics of Separation, a micro essay. Poetry remembers that distance can be made of suffering. Distance between blood cells, between two words on this page between a mother and a son. And so I carry the distance of my past like a bag full of dirt, but I can't make words grow out of it and write what I can't remember. What is the Spanish word for water? What is the Spanish word for longing? What is the Spanish word for failure? My relationship with language is absence one I can't shape with my hands, not like clay or fire. I try and for this trying, I rely on what my body thinks it knows. I allow it to speak to that part of me for which I'll never have words. This poem doesn't want to tell you a story that you can follow. It wants to take you to a river blindfold you, lower you into its veins.
2: This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always Mas. We are celebrating poetry here on Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say. Before I give them a full-length introduction, I want to say hi to my dear friends Octavio and Jen. Thank you so much for, for taking time to join us on the air and, of course, we are looking forward to hosting you at the Latino Bookstore on August 11th, and perhaps folks missed that so they get to hear the poetry now and they get to know that your books are signed and waiting for them at the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. So, hey, Jen, how are you? And uh, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, I'm, I'm pretty good. Been, it's been a busy summer. Um, I think from... The point of um, going on our on a summer reading tour with the Corazon Collective and promoting *Surrogate Eater*, and then coming home to find a *Surrogate Eater* and get her in my hands—I don't think we've stopped yet, and it's been very exciting. And community has been very warm and welcoming to her.
2: That's wonderful, and we're looking forward to hearing more poetry from their collection on the air today. And I'm looking forward to to getting to hear you in person. And, of course, Octavio, como estas amigo? Great to chat with you. I get to hang out with you when I'm in San Antonio. Great to commiserate with you desde mi casita aquí, Houston, Texas. Uh, How are you doing? Because you do so many things as well.
1: Well, I'm doing uh, doing well. Uh, I've been writing. I've been painting, as you know. I've been publishing. Uh, And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But overall, I've been it just—it's been a hectic summer. Um, a lot of great projects coming up. I am finally done with my second book of poetry, uh, from which I'll read tonight, and from which I'll read on on August eleventh. And I'm really excited to start promoting that and and just getting it into people's hands and 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 reading from it. You know, it's a book that took about 10 years to write and complete, so I'm excited.
2: And for folks who are tuning in, we wanted you to experience the poetry first. And now I want to build the context of the network so that you understand how much work it takes to get our literature and culture to our community. But you're going to understand why it's so important. So I am Tony Diaz, the Libre Trafficante.com author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And you are joining us on a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say, which means you might be watching this on its first platform, where it airs on the Facebook page for Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say. Perhaps you're watching a video version of this on fox26houston.com. Maybe you're listening to the edited audio that will transmit at 100,000 watts throughout the fourth largest city in America, Houston, Dejas, a 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. And I want to pause and remind folks that KPFT is listener sponsored, which is why during prime time in the fourth largest city in America for free, you will hear... Chicanx, Latino poetry transmitted. And you're probably not going to get it in classrooms. It's probably being pushed out of libraries. So I'm so proud that we can bring it to you through 90.1 FM KPFT. And on that note, I do want to remind listeners, it's listener sponsored, which is why we can decide our terms on our terms. We ask you to pitch in if you can. Please make a donation to... KPFT, in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers have Their Say, by visiting kpft.org or calling 713-526-5738. Additionally, another version of the show will appear on our podcast because we want to make sure that this material is at your fingertips and you can easily text it, tweet it, post it, share it, During Hispanic Heritage Month, make sure that your faculty at your teaching institution has access to this, and make sure your tía and tío have access to this as well. Of course, today, we're welcoming two dear friends that do so much. I'm glad we can celebrate them in their own right as writers, because sometimes when we do so many things for others, people forget that we too write. And you've got an introduction to the poetry of Jen Yanis Alanis. She's a Chicana Mestiza activist, educator, and poet. She's a PhD fellow in the Culture, Literacy, and Language Department at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Her research interests include translanguaging as a social justice framework with a focus on educator reflexi- reflexivity and empathy, which is what we're about, as a co founder of Welcome, a poetry. Declaration. She brings awareness to equity-driven cultural conversations centered on the preservation of language and language literacy. Her latest and forthcoming publications are included in several anthologies and journals. She's the author of an extensive critical biography of Carmen Tafoya in the forthcoming anthology Chicana Portraits edited by Norma Cantu. Her latest book is Surrogate Eater. And again, I'm so proud that we will feature her book at the Latino Bookstore as part of the Texas Author Series, the second Friday in August, August 11th, and you can always count on a fantastic event at the Latino Bookstore every second Friday of the month. And we're so happy that you'll be signing copies and having that there. So teremos, primero tenemos flores. Thank you so much for all that you do. And um, as I go on to introduce Octavio as well, I do want to say one thing. I'm so happy we get to celebrate you on this night because you support so many other writers as well. I do. And I think sometimes when you do that, it's hard to take the limelight. So we're going to force you to enjoy. (laughs) And it's your time as well. And we hope that you will enjoy it as much as we do. We hope folks will come out. And I know that you've been having a busy tour. Uh, Before we talk to Octavio, tell us a few spots that you've already hit.
0: Sure. So... um We went on a 10-day, so I, along with um, three other poets, uh, there are five of us total. So it's um, Irene Lara Silva, of course, our Texas poet laureate. Joe Reyes Poytel, yes. um, Angelina Sainz out of um, Los Angeles, California, and Carmen Calatayud, who's also situated here in San Antonio. So on our tour, um, we started off in El Paso, went on to Las Cruces. Um, we hit up Albuquerque and Santa Fe and uh, Placitas. And we were just op- welcomed with open arms. Community was just there to greet us. We were hosted by some amazing people. Uh, Denise Chavez hosted us out in... Yeah, she's fantastic.
2: Love Denise. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: We were hosted at the, in Albuquerque um, through the Latino Cultural Center and um beautiful beautiful facility by the way gorgeous gorgeous. campus we were i mean we were i still can't get over how we were received and how we were treated and we were even given um a city proclamation in las cruces by the mayor wow uh for an official corazón collective day (laughs) awesome (laughs) (laughs) love it (laughs) it was more it was more than i could have ever imagined and um it's interesting because you mentioned. I'm always. I do. I am always out and about supporting other initiatives and other artists, and um, it feels. I'm still trying to get used to the feeling of being on the other end of that um, newly published, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's 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 an exciting feeling, but I'm I'm still trying to find to find my my space here in this situation. Um, so then. Um, here in San Antonio, we kicked off Surrogate Eater with um, Eddie Vega's um, mm. project at the Dakota Ice House, um, the Mouth Dakota Poetry Initiative. And that was so powerfully received by community. Mm. I, um, I was so excited. So there were so many familiar faces who'd sort of been on this um, trajectory along with me. Um, Brad Carlos Stryker was there. And that was so exciting because um, he was actually, uh, the Sun Poets was actually the first place where I started to go and read poetry 10 years ago. And of course my mentor was there and my writers and communities were there. And um, because of because of the way that I have been circulating, you know, the book with social media, and thanks to Octavio too, giving me some tips on that, um, I had people that I didn't know come out as well Wow to come read to come hear me read it's been it's been fantastic thank you.
2: to tell folks a little bit more about octavio octavio quintinia is the author of the poetry collection if i go missing he's the founder and director of the literature and arts festival Veso frontera which i've been thrilled to be a part of he's publisher of Alabrava brava press which is the publisher of of your book and former poet laureate of san antonio texas although i hear once you've got that title you can always call yourself poet laureate mm-hmm. and I'll talk about that later uh His new poetry collection, The Book of Wounded Sparrows, is forthcoming, as he said, from Texas Review Press in fall 2024. So I love that we're giving you a preview of that. He teaches literature and creative writing at Our Lady of the Lake University, who will be working more closely with the Latino Bookstore in the upcoming fall. And, of course, he'll also be joining us at the Latino Bookstore, where I'm happy to serve as a literary curator. And you can expect a great show of the Texas Author Series every second Friday of the month. And that, in this case, will be August 11th. I want to thank the director of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, Christina Bailly, for pushing to put this Latino bookstore, one of the only Latino bookstores in Texas, there on the west side. And we're so happy that you will be joining us, that your books will be there. And I tell you what, before I have you tell us you know, so many things behind the scenes about why, why you picked Jen's work to, um, to publish. I do want to thank you because you are obviously a poet and visual artist in your own right. Um, your name is immortalized <laughs> <laughs> in architecture and in infrastructure in San Antonio, which you can tell us about in a bit. But you do so much to help others. As I mentioned, you give your time and energy to Verso Frontera, which promotes other writers, that helps us sell our books, that spreads the news. But that also, I want to say, takes time and energy from your work as well. Publishing at La Brava Press, really appreciate you doing that for many reasons, including the fact that the time you spend picking a work, editing it, that's time away from your art and your craft. So tell me a little bit about why you want why you do that. Well,
1: uh, well, let me tell you a bit about Alabama Press. You know, I founded it in 2018 as a means to publish my own visual poems. Uh, I published five chapbooks, limited editions. Um, I think the print runs were 50. And, you know, they all sold out. And I had to do that because... uh, It was taking me a long time to finish my second book, my second manuscript, as I just mentioned. Uh, And after that, after I I started learning how to put a book together, uh, learning how to go about the process of getting the books printed, I decided to to extend it to the community and start soliciting work that I like, you know. um, in a way, small presses like A Brava are opening new spaces, radical spaces for writers um, who are not often published by bigger established presses, mm-hmm. um, writers who have been historically kept out of mainstream publishing. And uh, when that happens, I think it's important for those of us who can or want to, or have the desire to do so, to create those spaces for those writers. Otherwise, uh, a lot of good literature, a lot of good writing, a lot of our stories and poetries uh, will go unread, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've always believed that small presses are are agents of cultural change and literary change and accessibility. Um, and nowadays, you know, I mean, it's it's getting a lot easier to to print books, uh, especially with platforms such as print on demand. Even though I'm not using that right now, mm-hmm. uh, eventually, as the press hopefully grows. Uh, we might, you know, we'll, we'll start mm-hmm. looking into those type of platforms, you know, because it is expensive to publish. It's not just mm-hmm. expensive in terms of time that you put in, but also uh, in terms of capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know that, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's I, I, <sighs> poetry doesn't really sell. I mean, nobody, nobody's. I don't know many poets who. live off their poetry you know most of us have to teach most of us have to hustle in other ways Uh, but because we're printing limited editions in a way we control how many books we print and and who to target Mm -hmm. you know what audiences to target and uh, the cool thing about it is that You know, once the books are gone, they're gone. It's a limited edition and they're numbered, they're signed by the writer. And uh, it's a way to bring some type of value to something that we often don't think it has value, a book.
2: I want to point out again, you're breaking down some of the ways that you invest your intellectual capital, actual capital, community cultural capital. And I think that really is important because we've got enough folks at that stage who can do that. And I want to let folks know that when you're in an MFA program, this is not what you're typically told to do. Uh, You've got a whole world of, of uh, typical writers. And I mean, uh, you know, from, from the ivory towers, who are supposed to just create art for art's sake, and, and this one's yeah. contrary to that. Um, but nice way to bring Jen back in, I'd love for you to tell our listeners, and then we'll invite her to, to read three more poems, and we'd love for you to read three more poems after that, yeah. uh, because we want to flood the airwaves with poetry. poetry. Um, what attracted you to her work to, that led to Surrogate Eater?
1: What attracted
2: me to Jen's poetry
1: is her sense of honesty about, about the body, about the human body, about sexuality, about the erotic, uh, about relationships between men and women, lovers, uh, about the dynamics that happen in families, in terms of talking honestly about body image, sex, uh, expectations between uh, genders, uh, gender roles. I mean, all those things are evoked in her poetry. And I think more literature such as this is needed, especially from our communities and for our communities. Um, you know, uh, so, so those are some of the, uh, some of the themes that she, she writes about and that I thought were important to be read, you know.
2: Fantastic. We're going to bring her back on. Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning into a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston's community station. And I'm going to remind listeners if it wasn't for your support, you would not be listening to state of the art Chicana, Chicano, Latino lit and poetry right now at 100,000 watts in the fourth largest city in America. And in fact, it's getting harder for our community to get access to this powerful literature in libraries, in classrooms. So we have to unite to spread the word. We would like for you to do your part right now and make a donation to KPFT so that we can continue to convey our terms on our terms. And you can do that by going to kpft.org or calling 713-526-5738. And right now, We've got another three poems from the collection, Surrogate Eater, and we're giving the mic to Jen Yanez Alanis. Take it away, Jen.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Octavio. My body at the table. A stream of hot water. A night for a singe. A smudging of skin. I bite down on the sweet taste of fire. Fingers clutch in pleading supplication. The stream leaves streaks down my stomach. Scarlet sashes ribbon down my legs. Soothe across the scars on my knees. Ancient burial grounds of unanswered prayers. I lay across the floor, limbs limp and splayed. My skin, a soft linen, a rose arches from the center of my body. Each lover at the tips of my fingers, I breathe shallow breaths of ache, breasts rise toward God, sweet contrition, sweet contrition. I rest in the charity of my sin, relief from the pain pink pills in a cup, pink pills in a cup. My lovers they reach, each takes from the flesh, my body at the table. Deluge, we escape the night of our homes, the softness where we dream with our spouses, the perfect constructs of our offspring. We gaze beyond the pink moon into her shadows, hidden spaces where we touch without boundaries of skin or restrictions inflicted by marrow and bone. We didn't want to drown. We opened ourselves to the darkness, submerging our bodies, unable to laugh the deluge. The thing about love it keeps the shape of you in my mouth creases my unforgiving tongue your sex swelters inside penetrates the cartilage seething in my throat thank you
2: Thank you very much. And before we talk about the the powerful poems, we're going to bring Octavio back to to read three poems as well. You're tuning into Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say. And we are joined by uh, two wonderful poets, Jen Ganes Alaniz, who just read from her collection, Surrogate Eater. And now we're joined by Octavio Quintanilla, who's reading from his forthcoming collection, the book of Wounded Sparrows. He's gonna share three poems with us. Octavio, the mic is yours.
1: Thank you, Tony. This poem is called Fig of Unfolding. Tonight, I expect the only star in the sky to be so bright, I'll forget all I know about sorrow. How it feels like sandpaper against skin. How it looks like the old woman my mother has become. I was still a boy when I watched my father plant a fig tree in the backyard, may not knowing much about the fruit it promised, but enough knowing about the river running through my father's quiet as he dug a hole to make his offering. Ever since, I've been running in the opposite direction of hope, trying to logic my way out of God's existence. It gets tiring. Tunneling through time, till I get close enough to see an exit and then time begins again, but this time without the people I have loved. A day will come when my body will no longer open like a suitcase to take myself on a journey where I'll dream of never being found, where I'll dream of never finding what I've lost. I no longer have a need for it. No more fig tree, no more father, the backyard sold long ago to strangers. This poem is called Strong Bond. Sometimes, sometimes weeks go by and I don't call my mother. Sometimes a month goes by and a sign on the side of the road reminds me to call her. Sometimes the surface of my mind forgets she lives that she still exists in this world. My siblings probably think of me as heartless, un ingrato, an ingrate. But when my mother came to this country, I was already a man. I didn't need her as much as my younger brothers needed her. they still visit her, call her, make her feel loved. If my mother were a country, she would be the one I'd leave behind in search of a better life. Now, read one more. This is called Desaparecer. And Desaparecer is Spanish for disappear. It's a scientific fact that if you keep your eyes open for a long period of time, eventually all that you see will disappear. Like the word, disappear, disappears in its Spanish translation, desaparecer. Can you hear the traces of what's left, of what is carried over? What is left is the chameleon who can move its eyes in two directions at once, and not once will you move twice to save your life. Desaparecer, meaning don't get lost, don't die, come home, and your home empty of metaphors, and your metaphors empty of mercy, and you find yourself either writing about a quiet country that you no longer remember, or about a name that still hurts you when you dare whisper it in the dark rooms of your empty kingdom. Maybe we should be friends. I'll be your accomplice. The eye pronouncing itself, the eye that stays open so you can see the truth in the opposite of disappear. Don't worry about this now, for even if you lose your sense of sight, you'll still be able to see your dreams. You'll be able to see what they, what they who burn without light can't. How do you quantify the fractions of your life that have nothing to do with seeing? Tell me. And I will tell you that sometimes I wake trembling and not finding you next to me. And I fall asleep feeling the opposite of holy, untranslated on the blank of your face. And I see nothing left to carry me over.
2: You are tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say on the Air. We are joined by poets Jen Yanez Alaniz, reading from her collection, Surrogate Eater, and also Octavio Quintinilla, giving us a sneak preview of his soon-to-be-released poetry collection, The Book of Wounded Sparrows. They both form part of the Texas Author Series. It's the August 11th edition. Of course, it's on the second Friday of that month, just like on every second Friday of the month, you'd expect a great lineup at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. I'm proud to serve as the literary curator there. But of course, right now I'm in Houston, and with Nuestra Palabra and our crew, we're happy to, to transmit these wonderful words across the highways, into the barrios, and into people's phones, and I hope they'll share it. Of course, queremos tirarles más flores... Marta Rivas les tira un wow, un wow, un corazonzote, and some fire. Hey, Marta. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. And hey, you, Octavio, let's talk about Jen's poetry in front of her. I want her to get used to being in the spotlight. <laughs> and you mentioned that one aspect of her work that really attracted you to it, that made you want to make it part of the Alabama Press family was the sensuality of it. And she really does have a gift to bring out not just the sensuality and intimacy, pero lo que cuesta. It's like taking bits of my body away at the same time. Uh, it's, it's a certain intensity that I think really evokes that, that tension that, that goes beyond simple feelings. Um, is that kind of the intensity you see? And then I'd love Jen to talk about h- how you get at some of the, that imagery. Uh, Hey, am I off? I'm a prose writer, so maybe...
1: No, no, you're you're spot on. I mean, there is that intensity, and I think it's... uh, uh, I think the whole book is trying to answer the question, how do you... um, How do you undo damage that has been done to you when it comes to the perception of self? When it comes to your relationship with sex mm. when it comes to your relationship with others when it comes to your uh, your relationship with your husband or wife or lover you know um, and and I think throughout Jan slowly piece by piece poem by poem answers that question and I think there's also a tension between what she wants to say and what she keeps silent. Mm -hmm. I think we have to read outside of the poem to really understand the complexity of writing about a subject matter that in some of our communities is not talked about. Mm -hmm. So I think there is an erotic element to it, but I think there's something uh, more interesting uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how it can teach us to talk about our our bodies and our relationships with, with
2: ourselves. Jen, the the beauty
1: of- right, but that's what
2: I <laughs> <laughs> the, the beauty of loving modern literature. We can ask the author. Are we way off, Jen? What's <laughs>
0: No, 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 not at all. In fact, um, one of the things that I love about poetry, right, is that we as readers and we as audience members, we bring our own experiences, Mm. um, you know, to directly to the poetry. It's like, we can never be positive, you know, what the poet's voice is, is saying, you know, but I think that's one of the good things because then we're able to bring our own experiences and it can become so much more. However, you both are spot on. And, um, and in fact, Tony, you said something really interesting. You said throughout the poetry, I feel like bits of me are being taken away, you know, despite the sensuality of the poetry. And um, interestingly enough, consumption is one of the biggest um, themes of the poetry soft sensuous ways was really important because um, I really I really wanted the audience to be able to um, to commune no pun intended with the poetry and not and not feel like the poetry was just so harsh that they couldn't handle it you know um, I, I feel as though I created enough softness and sensuality within that tension. Um, that it made the poetry accessible.
2: The other thing I'd like to touch on would be everything's got puns. I think no matter
0: <laughs>
2: it's loaded, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, um, you talk about structures, the structures of children, and it's fascinating because the body is a structure and your poems are structures for these tensions and these different yes. feelings. Um, talk a little bit about that, and, and is that something you're doing deliberately, or, or is it like these play on words that are just <laughs> unleashing themselves?
0: No, no, it's, it's, it's deliberate. And um, I think the more that, you, that, you, that one reads the poetry, um, what I like to create is as, as embodied as the poetry is, right, that, that, we, mm-hmm. can, that we can feel it. And, and taste it, and, and smell it, and visually, you know, imagine everything, um, as much as I create that, at the same time, it's really important for me, for for the bodies, the actual bodies that are in in relation with each other, to almost be ghostly, mm-hmm. like they can pass right through each other, you know? And so I think that by... By referring to the children as constructs it did that for me you know mm-hmm. t- it you know for a lot of reasons because I'm, I'm also an empty nester you know and so I, my four children are all grown up now and for me it's like i'm i'm left with everything that i built with and for my children mm-hmm. and and while it still exists you know they aren't necessarily here i've got my daughters here Going to nursing school, but she's like literally not here. She's always away. She's got life, um, and so that's kind of what that's kind of what they became for me. You know, just these constructs of things where all kinds of life came in and out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a few other poems as well where I feel like you know I wanted I wanted the bodies to come together in a way that there was nothing that was going to necessarily stop them you know, from connecting to the point where they
2: might even just go right past each other as well. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it plays with so many other themes as well. Going back to Octavio, and then we'll close out with, a, with one poem more each, if you'd be so kind. But uh, <laughs> Octavio, when, when you read about strong, uh, strong Bond, I believe that was the title. Did I get it right? Strong Bond, the poem about um, the mom. Is that the correct title? Oh, my mom. Yeah. Yes. Yes, from uh, mom. Yes. And, and I think that is really, you know, powerful to me as a Chicano, my relation to my mom. But you put it in a very deep context where I think the love is even more earned. Even though you said, you know, ingrato, <laughs> you know, your typical response for those sentiments is not going to be adoration. Uh, tell us a little bit about. How you kind of turn that around? I think to a greater—I would say—a greater love, uh, a deeper understanding. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that
1: poem is central to uh, the book, to the the book of wounded sparrows. The the book of wounded sparrows is a collection that has to do with with migration, with dislocation, emotional, physical, et cetera. Uh, me coming from uh, Mexico when I was nine to live with my grandmother, my parents staying behind. And my parents came to the United States when I graduated high school. My I'm the oldest. So all of my brothers were still living with my parents, but you know, uh, I graduated high school. I'm basically, I'm a man, you know, I'm, a, I'm an mm-hmm. adult. Uh, I, I grew up. I don't, I, and I think that has been the, that's part of the tension in the book of how, of how the speaker in the poems uh, tries to reconcile that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I see it. I mean, I see it with my brothers. I mean, they're so close to my, my mom. My father passed away, but they were so close to them. I mean, and I'm not saying I don't love my mom or my parents or my brothers. We're very close. But but it's something that that at one point I felt bad about. Like, man, how come I don't feel that way? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you realize that, man, you know, I grew up without them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the honest truth. You, you, I, you grow up basically being pulled by by nothing you know yeah. you know uh, your parents are in mexico uh the, the your grandmother you live with yeah you yes you love her but it's she's not your mom you know mm-hmm. so so all of that all, all of those emotions are uh, are in the in the book you know uh i created this metaphysical eye so i could Write about it; otherwise, it will be very hard to write about it honestly. You know, mm-hmm. without falling into cliche, like like you said. You know, the uh, the expectation is basically the opposite of what the poem is saying. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, I'm saying what is unexpected. I mm-hmm. think, because and it's and it's a real
2: emotion too, and, and spot on, and 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 needs to be told, especially from from the heart. That way, we're celebrating the poetry. Uh, Octavio Quintinilla, he's sharing a sneak preview of the book of Wounded Sparrows, his upcoming collection and Jen Yanez Alaniz reading from Surrogate Eater they will be both part of the Texas Authors Series at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center on the second Friday of August, August 11th if you'd both be kind enough to uh, take us out with one more poem we'd love to share it here on the airwaves and hey folks, if you're tuning in this is the only show that can say we've got two more poems to air. Please pitch in to make sure we can continue to deliver this level of work from this deep in the community. And you can do that by going to KPFT.org or calling 713-526-5738 and make it a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra. And, um, yes, Jen, if you'd be kind enough to read a poem and then we'll follow it with Octavio.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I do want to give a shout out to um, the artist for the cover art, Paula Lopez, and um, the original, the original pieces in the collection of Rosanna Esparza-Arends. And sometime soon, I'm going to be taking a pilgrimage to see the original uh, piece in California. So I'll be uh, closing out my poetry with chaos in the mouth. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Nice be everything, dread and beauty. Be consumed by death, by angelic bloom. Clench chaos between your teeth. Be rabid and ravenous. Be seeds, be eaten. Eat fruit, the ripe and forbidden, the vine aged and unraveled. Be a matted beast decomposing below leaves, be insect devouring, be fig and pomegranate. Thank you.
1: This last poem is called Self-Portrait With My Father's Eyes. What some of those who've died still remains with us what percentage of our memory still belongs to them? When we see our shadow rising against the wall as we walk down a street, does it belong to us? Or is it the way a loved one who has died attempts to say, I am here? Once I painted a portrait of my father, face made of lines and within the lines I could see what I thought always belonged to me his eyes and the way they looked at me the way he looked at me like a stranger looks at someone he loves
2: thank you so much ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra Latino writers having to say we've been joined by Jen Yanis Alanis and she is sharing her new book surrogate eater and we've also been joined by octavio quintanilla he's giving us a preview of his forthcoming collection of poetry the book of wounded sparrows they both will form part of the texas author series at the latino bookstore at the guadalupe cultural arts center on august 11th if you're tuning into this after the fact please do feel free to share this and know that their works will forever be at the latino bookstore you can just stop by I'm Tony Diaz, the Libro Traficante. I want to give a shout out to the Nuestra Palabra team here in Houston, Texas. Yo, Houston and San Antonio got it going on for Latino Lit, for our cultura. And I want to give a special shout out to our team. Roxana Guzman is our multi-platform producer. Rodrigo Bravo is our sound engineer. I want to thank all the volunteers, all the folks that make this show continue time after time. And we want to give a special thanks to the Familia at KPFT, 90.1 FM, Houston's community station. And I want to give one last appeal to you, dear listeners. If you can, please make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having to say to KPFT, so that week in and week out for more years, we can continue to bring you the best, the brightest from our community. And we want to share that with everybody. So Please support 90.1 FM KPFT. This is Tony Diaz, and we look forward to seeing you at the books. Gracias. Thanks for joining us.